0: I do want to encourage you to check out the video version of our podcast. Go to videotheater.greatdetectives.net. We post two videos every month. Most recently, we've been doing episodes of the TV shows Man with a Camera and Federal Man. And you can check out all the podcasts I do over at greatdetectives.net. Right along the top, there's a link to them. But now it's time for this week's episode of The Fat Man. The original air dates, May 19th, 1955, and the title is Murder Makes a Payoff.
1: There he goes into that drugstore. He's stepping on the scales.
2: Weight 239
3: pounds. Fortune, danger. <laughs>
1: Who is it? The Fat Man.
4: And now here's the Fat Man in Murder Makes the Payoff.
1: It was one of those brisk, clear mornings in early spring. And I'd gone uptown to say hello to Henry. They were letting him out today. Poor guy had been in for the last five months. Henry hadn't done anything to deserve the rap. It's just that Henry is a lion. And he spent the winter months in a nice, warm indoor cage. I walked around the zoo for a couple of hours, enjoying spring in New York. And suddenly realized it was a working day. I grabbed a cab and headed for my office where I found the phone clanging away as I walked in. Runyon speaking. I must
4: see you at once, Runyon. My wife is in terrible danger. Who is this? George Mitchell, United Bank and Trust.
1: Well, Mr. Mitchell, you know where my office is.
4: I can't come to your office, Mr. Runyon. It's too dangerous. You see, I I might be followed, and no one, you understand? No one must know that I've come to you.
1: I see. All right. You know a place called Clemens Bar and Grill? It's about two blocks east of my office on the same street.
4: Clemens Bar and Grill. No, I I don't know it, but I'll find it. I'll be there in 15 minutes.
1: I'll be waiting for you.
4: How will I know you?
1: Well, I won't wear a red carnation, Mr. Mitchell. They don't call me the fat man because I'm anemic. I hadn't been waiting more than three minutes when George Mitchell rushed into the bar. He was a big guy and heavy. He looked as if there wasn't a situation he couldn't handle. But right now, he was nervous, in a hurry. And the door seemed to jump off its hinges as he banged his clothes behind him. Hey, take it easy, mister. You'll live longer.
2: What? I'll
4: thank you to...
1: Oh, oh you, you must be Runyon. That's right. I can't go to the police, Mr. Runyon.
4: These men will kill us.
1: Whoa, whoa, simmer down, Mr. Mitchell. We'll do better if we start at the beginning. You, You must forgive me. I... I haven't had any sleep
4: since it happened, and it was three days ago. Since what happened? I received a note. A note telling me to bring $10,000 to it.
1: Well, get around to them later. Right now, I'd like to see this note. I brought it with me. It's here. Yeah. You've got a nice wife. If you want to keep her that way, bring $10,000 to Northland Pier on West 53rd Street, Tuesday night, 1 a.m. Do it like we say, or your wife comes home in a box. There.
4: You see now why I... Yeah, yeah. This is Friday. What happened Tuesday? That's just it, Mr. Runyon.
1: Nothing happened.
4: Nothing. I drew the money from my bank and went to the pier alone as they told me. I waited and waited and no one came. Finally, I went home. But then I got a phone call to go down to the pier again tonight at the same time. You
1: know, Mr. Mitchell, the police should handle this.
4: I don't want anything handled. I want to pay them off, but I I want you around in case I run into... uh,
1: into difficulty. I know what you mean. Have you any idea who them is? Or should I say are? No, I haven't any idea. I just want to get it out of the way.
4: Now, here's the money. All, all $10,000 of it. I'd prefer that you carry it. And uh, here's an additional 500 for yourself. That should cover your fee.
1: It covers it. Okay, Mr. Mitchell. You've got yourself a private detective. Now, let's go calling. Calling? Yeah. We don't have to go down to the pier till late tonight. I'd like to meet Mrs. Mitchell first. I don't want to wait till she comes home in a box. We left Clemens Bar and Grill and headed for my car, which was parked three blocks away. The street was crowded with people, yet Mitchell walked along with his head down, his shoulders hunched, not saying a word. Once I tried to draw him out a bit, but it seemed that he'd told me everything he was going to. And from now on, anything I wanted to know, I had to find out for myself. We hadn't gone more than a block when suddenly and without my turning round, I knew instinctively that Mr. George Mitchell and I had uninvited company in the crowd. Mitchell, keep looking ahead and don't change your face. Now listen to me. What? Listen. We picked up a shadow. Just keep walking. Okay, now let's go look at those antiques in that window. To see what our friend looks like. Which one is he? Never mind. I'm looking at the antiques. I can see him in that big mirror over the Grand Rapids, Chippendale. He stopped to look in the other window. Oh, yes. I can see him now. A rather short and heavy set, dark complexion. That's our boy. Have I seen him before? No. No, I'm sure I haven't. He's not very smart. If he knew anything about tailing, he'd have walked past us when we stopped and picked us up further down the street. What do you suggest we do about him? Nothing. Look, give me our card. You hail a cab and go home. If he follows you, I'll hit him off. There's a cab now. A cab! I, I, I hope you know what you're doing. Here's my card. Okay, now. Take this cab and I'll see you at your place later. (laughs) for Mitchell's cab to turn the next corner, while I kept an eye on the mirror and the little guy who was so interested in us. Then I started off down the street, the way I'd come, with the little bloodhound right after me. When I came to the corner, I walked round it slowly, then switched back and flattened myself against the wall. He walked right into the oldest setup in the business.
3: Got a match, Happy? Huh? Uh, Yeah, sure, a match, right here. Keep the
1: hands out of the pockets, Happy, or I'll tear your head off. Yeah, yeah, sure. That better.
3: Yeah, well, where would you get this Happy stuff? I don't know no guy named Happy. I don't play
1: games in the street. I outgrew that a while back. Let's step into Clemens Bar here. And you tell me who's paying you to tail me.
3: Now, look, mister, you got me all wrong. Honest, you're nuts. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. What will it be, Jack?
1: Two beers.
3: Right. Look, Mr. Lincoln like I said you got the wrong guy. My name ain't Happy.
1: Change the lyric, Buster. You're Happy McCoy, a small-time hustler with a long-time record. I recognized you the minute I spotted you in the street.
3: Okay, okay. So what do you want from me?
1: Information, mostly. If I don't get it, we go down to headquarters. You used to pack a knife. Maybe you're loaded right now. You could go back to the camp for that.
3: Look, smart guy. For your information, I'm on parole. Will I have a shiv on me now?
1: That's too bad. Because for the information I want, there's only one other way to get it. Hey, what's
3: going on here?
1: Relax. My friend here is dying of thirst.
3: Yeah. We'll just cut out the rust up.
1: This is a respectable place. Here's your beers. Thanks. Here's the dough. Keep the change and don't worry.
3: Say, thanks.
1: Okay. Now, Happy, do we talk or do we go back to my office and see just how much you can really take? Yeah,
3: yeah, sure, sure, I'd talk. I should take all this for Big Gino. He could take care of himself. Gino?
1: So he's in there.
3: Yeah. You know his place downtown? Yeah, the Pelican
1: Club, I know it. Yeah, well,
3: there's a roulette layout in the back. Maybe I spend too much time there. Anyway, I'm into the house for a couple of hundred bucks. So when Big Gino tells me to do a job, I do it. And the job? Tail a certain guy. Get a line on who he sees. And then report to Big Gino.
1: What certain guy?
3: The guy you were just talking to. Big Gino showed me his picture. Okay. Let's go
1: down to the Pelican Club and you can make your report to Gino.
3: Are you crazy? Look, so you scare me so I talk too much. But Big Gino scares me so I drop dead. Besides, go take a walk for yourself, all. Go on, beat it.
1: Ah, getting tough
3: again. That's all I got back now. There's a beautiful doll sitting in a booth behind you. Here, go ahead, take a look. That thing in her hand, she's pointing at you. That ain't the menu. I
1: turned from the bar and looked at the row of booths that ran along the opposite wall. And sure enough, sitting in a booth right behind us was a slim, cool blonde and a dark, shiny mink. The last time I'd seen her, She'd been third from the left in the front line of the chorus at the old Crystal Club. If I remembered her, and it have been a good many years ago, there'd been a lot more of it to see. She still looked beautiful, even with a small nickel-plated revolver in her hand, hidden with a handkerchief, but pointed right at my head. Okay, sweetheart, you call the next
3: move.
5: That's right, Batman. Now you're being smart. It's the boy goodbye I'm coming to find me.
3: Like the nice lady says, fat so. Beat it, Happy.
1: You're lucky for now. I
3: ain't scared of you no more, you understand? I'm leaving real slow and easy. As I want. See?
1: Bartender, bring my drink over to this table. I'm joining the lady. Look, mister, we don't allow that sort of thing in here. This is a respectable place. The lady asked me, didn't you, sweetheart?
5: That's right. At Mr. Runyon.
1: See? Now be a nice guy.
5: Okay. Okay.
1: You can put the artillery away, sweetheart. If I'd wanted to go for Happy before he got out of the door, I would have.
5: I guess you would at that.
1: Tell me, why do you cover a guy like that? Or do I...
5: Oh, I'll tell you. Happy's a friend of a friend of mine.
1: You move in interesting circles.
5: I just happened to see you tag him in the street a few minutes ago. I slipped in and sat in this booth while you were slapping him around.
1: I see, Linda. It is Linda, isn't it?
5: You have a good memory. Yes, Linda.
1: Linda Kellerman. The Crystal Club and the front line of the chorus. I remember as if it was yesterday.
5: Yesterday? plus about 15 years. That
1: was Gino's place, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, that's where he got his start.
1: And that's where I first ran into Happy McCoy, Gino's stooge and number one hatchet man. You still working for Gino?
5: I'm a married woman now. I left the cars in the Crystal Club on Big Gino years ago.
1: So the big rescue act for Happy a few minutes ago was just for old times' sake, huh?
5: You might call it that.
1: Well, I think I'll say hello to your ex-boss just for old times' sake. And by the way, Linda, since it's not Kellerman anymore...
5: It's Mitchell now.
1: It wouldn't be Mrs. George Mitchell.
5: That's right. Mrs. George Mitchell. The gal who's coming home in a box.
1: Linda was the gal some guy was gunning for. At least according to the note her husband had showed me. But aside from the $10,000, which might easily be reason enough, she couldn't or wouldn't tell me why. And her husband said he didn't know. But like her husband, Linda also impressed me as someone who could take pretty good care of herself. I left in Kremen's Bar and Grill and went back to my office. There I called headquarters and got the dope on Happy McCoy's current status with the police. After mulling the thing over for a while, I decided to have another talk with George Mitchell. He lived in a converted private house in the upper 70s near Central Park. And there was a cop and a small crowd milling around the front door when my cab stopped. Sorry, Mr. Runyon. I can't let you go in. Those are the orders. Me in particular, officer? Nobody, Mr. Ornian.
4: There's been a killing in there, and nobody goes in, nobody goes out. A killing? A killing. And a fine job they did of it,
1: too. Who is it? Mr. George Mitchell. The cop wouldn't let me into Mitchell's house, so I headed for Big Gino. Big Gino had run four or five speaks during Prohibition. But with repeal and the drop in the market, he'd gone legitimate. Maybe running a club with a gambling layout and back wasn't legitimate in the strict sense of the word. But compared to some of his previous activities, you'd call it that. Anyway, he was a tough boy. And we'd played cops and robbers on several occasions. I got a thorough going over by two of his boys before I was ushered into his private office.
2: Well, fat man. So long
1: I forget what you look like. Always nice to see old friends. I'm deeply touched, Gino. Your boys frisked me when I came in. I'd like my gun back when I leave. Of course, my friend. When you leave.
2: Why you come to my club so early? We don't open till the seventh.
1: Business? Business? With me? I'm a clean these days, fat man. Clean and legit. Do you know a clean and legit hustler named Happy McCoy? Never heard of him. Gino, I used to like the floor show at the old Crystal Club. Remember? Yeah, I remember. Happy was on your payroll. So? So I think he's still on your payroll. Also, I just called headquarters. They told me about his parole record. You're at the top of the list of people he's supposed to stay away from. He has my sympathy. It won't do, Gino. Happy tailed me today. I tagged him. And this, uh, Happy, put the finger on me? No. I'm putting the finger on you. Are you in business for yourself? For a client, Gino. And for a girl named Linda Mitchell. Remember her? Used to work for you.
2: Look at that man. I've been a real nice to you. I'll have you come in here, take up my time, and say many stupid things to me. Now I am tired of being nice. There is the door over there. Use it while you
1: still can. Okay, Gino. As I said, this is for a client. Unless the right guy gets paid off, Linda Mitchell's in trouble. My client can't make the payoff, so I'm doing it tonight. At the Northland Pier on West Fifty-third Street. You bore me, fat man. Maybe you and I are on the same side, Gino. I don't think so. You and me,
2: we are never on the same side about anything. You understand?
1: Now get out. Stay away from me. Yeah, boss? This guy is leaving, Nicky. Okay, boss. I think you're making a mistake, Gino. Beat
2: it. And hey, Nicky, give him a back. He's gone. Maybe he'll shoot himself with it. Save somebody to travel.
1: <laughs> I went back uptown to the late George Mitchell's house just off Central Park. The homicide boys had finished taking pictures and powdering the place for prints, so the cop on duty let me in. I got the maid aside and gave her a small token, not too small at the current rate of exchange, for which she took me up the back stairs, past the reporters, and showed me into the upstairs sitting room. Then she went to call her mistress.
5: You're just a bit late, aren't you, Mr. Runyon?
1: We'll see. Maybe I'm just a bit early. You don't quite fit the picture of the bereaved widow, Linda. The press is downstairs. They might not like it.
5: Look... You're through, Runyon. Finished. Washed up on this case. My husband hired you. My husband is dead.
1: The word is murdered.
5: All right. Murdered. But I'm paying you off.
1: There's still the guy who wrote the note to your husband, Linder. He hasn't been paid off yet.
5: A friend of mine is taking care of that.
1: A friend named Gino?
5: I thought you were smart, Runyon. Get up.
1: Take it easy, sweetheart. As you say, your husband hired me. He hired me to pay off the guy who was going to send you home in a box. And your husband also gave me ten grand to pay off this guy. I don't
5: believe you. Anyway, I haven't the slightest idea who would threaten me or why.
1: All I know is, sweetheart, that I saw the note your husband got and I was paid to do a job.
5: That ten thousand is legally mine now, Runyon, and I want it.
1: Even if there isn't any payoff. You wouldn't get it till this whole thing is finished.
5: Well, see about that.
1: Look, just for the record, Linda, how did Gino know about the notes?
5: I told him. I went to him after George showed it to me. Why Gino? Why do you think?
1: Gino in love with you?
5: Of course. He always has been. Ever since the old days of the Crystal Club.
1: You in love with him?
5: No, dear. I've never been in love with anybody.
1: I know. Linda just loves Linda.
5: It makes the decisions easier.
1: If you're happy that way.
5: I'm happy. When I married George, Big Gino told me to come and see him if I ever needed help.
1: And you needed help quite often.
5: If you mean, did I see Big Gino often? Yes, I did. George was a nice guy. But the United Bank and Trust was his wife, not me. So, Big Gino...
1: When did your husband find out about Gino?
5: Look, I told you once... When?
1: When did your husband find out? He read
5: something in a column about a month ago. Some gossip column.
1: Oh, that about ties it all up. What do you mean? I'm going down for that payoff tonight. If there's anything in this note, we'll find out. If not, maybe I'll see some old friends, all looking for a (laughs) right... I left Linda and had myself a steak at my favorite chop house on the corner of 56th Street and 2nd Avenue. I was still puzzled at Linda's lack of concern about the note. After dinner, I killed a couple of hours at a movie about a private eye, what else? Then it was time to take care of George Mitchell's unfinished business. I parked my car at the inshore end of the Northland Pier. A big freighter was tied up alongside, and the only light came from the lamps that hung from the side of the ship over the line. A watchman shack stood at the offshore end of the pier, and I started walking towards it.
2: That's uh, far enough, Fat Man. Don't reach for it. I got a gun on you, and I want to use it. Real bad.
1: Well, Gino. So we're on opposite sides after all.
2: You were for Mitchell. I don't like your client.
1: Mitchell's dead, Gino. Somebody killed him.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm not interested. You got the dough on you?
1: Sorry. I'll have to give you a check.
2: A smart guy don't make jokes at a time like this. It's not healthy.
1: Gino, Linda's husband is dead.
2: Okay, okay, so he had it coming. But I don't know anything about it.
1: No, I don't think you do. But the police, Gino... What about them? They might think differently. So far, it adds up like this. Mitchell got mad when you moved in on his wife.
2: I never moved in. I love Linda. But she's another man's wife. And I don't move in while he's
1: around. He thought you did. but so it's the same thing. But, Gino, who wrote that note threatening Linda?
2: You're the wise guy. You'll find out.
1: It wasn't you. But you're down here to get the ten grand for your girlfriend, aren't you?
2: That's for my business, fat man.
1: Well, my business is to find out about that note. I've got a strong hunch that whoever killed Mitchell will try to collect the dough, whether that note is on the level or not.
3: Well, your hunches you should pay off as good as this one, that Wow.
1: Hello, Happy.
3: Happy? That's a big heap of us, that's a little guy. Yeah. yeah. Happy McCoy, the small-time hustler, Gino. Not so small-time now, huh, Gino? I got you covered from the back, Big Gino. That's bad, ain't it? Big Gino nuts. Big McCoy now. Don't be a fool, Happy. And you, fatso. You've got your gun in your pocket, so go for it. In two minutes, you'll get it anyway.
1: No, I'll wait, thanks. So you're big time now, Happy. Big, happy McCoy. Only I knew it doesn't fit. You want the ten grand now or later?
3: do will make a particle of difference, long as I get it.
1: So you're the boy, Happy, eh? And I
2: put you under the whole thing.
3: Yes, that's right, Gino. You tell me to tail Mitchell. You'll tell me to keep an eye on his friends. trying to find out who he pays off. I find out, all right. He pays off nobody. The notes are phony. What do you mean? I go to his house this morning. I get the truth out of him. Hmm. <laughs> I can do cute things with the shiv once I get the jump on a guy. He'll tell me anything. He wrote that note to give himself an alibi. And gave Fatso here ten grand to clinch it. Clear enough, for you, Fatso?
1: Where is Isabel. He was going to kill Linda because he thought she was two-timing him with Gino. That note might have given him a good eye. What?
3: That's right. But Mitchell didn't behave himself when they had the heat on him this morning. So I had to give it to him for keeps with the shiv. Too bad, eh? And you get it with the gun, okay, Gino? You first, and in the back.
2: And Fatso. Let's take him, Gino. Okay, Fatman. We are coming for you, Happy.
3: No. Now move. Stay away from me, you hear? not come
1: near me. Think fast, Happy. Make up your mind. Gino or me. You get one, we get one. That's fair, isn't it, Happy? Stop, I tell you. I'm telling you, both of you.
3: I got
2: you both. You never did like to use a gun, did you? You cheap punk. No, not Happy McCoy. A knife, maybe, or a blackjack, but never a gun. We're almost on, you punk. I'll
4: get you. Hey, I
2: Well, we got him, fat man. We got the punk.
1: Yes, you know. We got him.
2: Like you said. We get one, he gets one. Take a look. I think maybe
1: it's bad. Yeah, let's see. (laughs) Uh, That's not so bad. When the cops get here, we'll get you an ambulance. Uh,
2: The cops?
1: Yeah. But don't worry. This is one shooting mess where I'll keep you in the clear.
2: Uh, I hope you can. Say, Onion. See that Linda gets the ten grand. I know what she's like, but I love that dame.
1: The ten grand is in the bank where I put it, Gino. I never planned to make this payoff. It sounded phony from the beginning. It was a tough one, Mitchell. But if Happy wasn't dead, he'd sure be burned. Don't worry about that, Gino. Where he's going, he'll be burned anyway. It seems I spend my life in getting into trouble and getting out of it. But at the same time, I generally manage to get some other people in and out of trouble, too. Be seeing you again. So long.
0: back. A nice, action-packed conclusion. I definitely wasn't expecting that it was going to be the husband who intended to murder the wife, particularly after he got killed himself, so that was a good surprise. Alright, well, listener comments and feedback now, and this one I'm kind of uh, excited about, because it's the first one I've gotten off of uh, Spreaker. And this was in regards to episode 3352. Murder and the Peacock. Barry writes. I just listened to this episode today. May 19th. I found it interesting for sure. I was very disappointed though. When peacocks were mentioned. And the sound effects uh, played chickens. I grew up with a peacock next door. I know the obnoxious noise. Uh, pollution they produce. Uh, maybe Australians just didn't know. Well. Uh thanks so much for the comment Barry. Uh good point. Um, obviously uh peacocks are not native to Australia. Of course they're uh, native to India, but have been, you know, sent to a whole lot of places around the world and in 2021 uh there are peacock farms, but it's safe to say that your average Australian Uh, was not particularly well advised about how Peacock sounded. Perhaps your uh, average Australian sound man in the 1950s uh, wasn't knowledgeable on that point. I do think even in America when it comes to sound effects, the goal was often to add enough sound to contribute to the atmosphere to make you kind of conjure up the image with as little uh, work as possible. That's kind of why Dragnet stands out, because uh, most people weren't, you know, trying to uh, create like an immersive feel where you felt like you were actually there. Uh, But that was, particularly in the early days, that was uh, what Jack Webb You know, went for with Dragnet. And even today, I think a lot of modern audio dramas go for very minimal work on sound effects. Certainly not all. Uh, Big Finish, uh, the British uh, company, does a lot of Doctor Who adaptations, also does uh, The Avengers, and uh, some Sherlock Holmes episodes. When you listen to... uh, Because they'll do, like, extras after each perform, you know, each uh release they do. And sometimes they'll have the sound designer on and the sound designer will talk and say, "Okay, well I was listening, you know, and I just wanted to figure out how do I make this sound like you're in the jungle?" And so I, you know, and they'll go through this very involved process of how they tried to create this super realistic soundscape. And I've to admit I get spoiled a bit because there are... You know, there are other people who, you know, they you know, they get good script written together, some good dialogue, and they're like, yeah, let's just go ahead and grab three or four sounds off a sound effect CD to kind of suggest where we are, and let the listener's imagination do the rest. And sometimes I'm not the, I'm just so spoiled by all the efforts that, you know, Big Finish puts into things that I kind of am like. You really could try harder on this. All that to say, I think in 1955 in Australia, you know, uh, the sound guy is going to take a look and say, okay, I have no idea how to do a peacock. And listeners aren't going to care. They don't know what it sounds like. Let's just go ahead and do a chicken. That'll be good. Thanks uh, once again so much for the comment, Barry. I definitely appreciate it. And I do want to go ahead now and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Andrew, Patreon supporter since March of 2020, currently supporting the show at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Well, that's all for now. Join us back here tomorrow for The Man Called X, and we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of The Fat Man. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net.